bonus Ask Farnoosh with special co-host Terry Carlson, Executive Vice President for Investor Services at Charles Schwab. You're listening to So Money with award-winning money guru Farnoosh Torabi. Each day, get a 30-minute dose of financial inspiration from the world's top business minds, authors, influencers, and from Farnoosh herself. Looking for ways to save on gas or double your double coupons? Sorry, you're in the wrong place. Seeking profound ways to live a richer, happier life? Welcome to So Money. Today, we have a very special Ask Farnoosh session. We've invited Terry Carlson on the show, who is an executive vice president for investor services at Charles Schwab. So we're going to learn all about how she's helping people make a difference in their lives through financial planning and financial education. She has a very interesting background. And as many of you know, I've partnered with Charles Schwab to help spread financial literacy to the masses. And it's been a really great partnership so far. I'm a Charles Schwab customer, have been for many years. And before we get started, just want to thank Charles Schwab for their partnership on getting this financial education content to you. And it is with great pleasure that I now invite Terry Carlson onto the show to help us sift through all your very good, important questions. Terry, welcome to So Money. Welcome to Ask Farnoosh. And Terry. Well, thank you so much, Farnoosh, and thank you for being a client at Charles Schwab. And In addition to your big job at Charles Schwab, you're also a mother of three. I know you've also run marathons, which I have yet to do a full marathon. I've done a half marathon, which I'm, I'm really proud of that, but that's way before I had kids. Let's, let's go back a little bit, Terry, if we can, and talk about how you arrived at your career. I know that you were a math and science major in college, and mm-hmm. you've been drawn to financial services, not necessarily because of the numbers, but but you really love it uh, because it allows you to connect to people. Um, so tell us about what drew you to this to this space. Sure, that's that's great. I mean, there's very little that happens in life without some impact of of money in our lives, and it doesn't mean wealth. It just means life events oftentimes are impacted by some of the financial decisions that we make in life, and I realized that actually as I got married, as I had three children, and as my husband and I at the time had two full-time professional jobs and trying to manage life throughout it. And what I realized during that time is how important it was to be able to make good financial decisions as well as good faith decisions, as well as good fitness decisions, as well as good overall decisions in life. And so I started out Uh, working in research at uh, 3M in St. Paul, Minnesota. Both my husband and I went to undergraduate school in this great state of Minnesota. But I really realized during that time as he was changing jobs and I was changing jobs that really understanding people and all the important decisions they have to make throughout their lives and the impact that financials had on it was something I really wanted to do. I mean, I had an analytical background, um, but when I when I started taking all of my series license and, and got my certified financial planner designation, I realized how important those decisions were, not only just for my husband and I, but for all my friends and for the people that I cared about most in life. And so I've been now in the industry over 20 years. Um, it's hard to believe that. And I've seen all the major life events for for so many of the people that I've, I've worked with at Charles Schwab. And, and that really involves, you know, deciding 
to get married, um, having children, as you said, um, planning your legacy. That means, you know, planning for retirement, living in retirement. I myself personally, Furnish, I've moved uh, eight times um, in the 25 years that I've, I've uh, been with my husband, that we've been married. And so there's just really important decisions that we need to make. And so I decided that I wanted to be in this this particular profession to be able to help so many people, and in particular women. Um, as you know, that more and more women are the chief financial decision maker in families today, or um, even if they're not in families, that there's more and more single women making really important financial decisions. And so I decided to go in this field to be able to help people. And uh, you mentioned marathons, and <laughs> I've run 20 marathons. 20? life. Yes. yes. And I am old. I have to say that. Um, But, you know, I I really think about marathon running is as important as having a financial plan. And when you have a financial plan, you really think about the long term and how to make the important decisions so that when you do retire and you plan a legacy, that it is it is the ultimate dream that you want. That doesn't mean you retire at a stage of incredible wealth. It just means you have a plan and you feel peace of mind. And that's what happens in marathon training too. I mean, it's all about short-term you know, sacrifice when you're training for a marathon and you have to get up at 5 a.m. to run 10 miles or or so on for the long-term gain because ultimately you do run that marathon and the reward at the end is really magical. And I feel that same way about financial planning. Wow, that's definitely something to aspire to, both the financial plan and the marathon. Going back to what you said about trying to encourage more women to take leadership in their financial lives, at the same time, I read too, there was a great profile of you in Kiplinger's last year that you're trying to also recruit more women into the financial field um, to become certified financial planners. And it's not a secret that if you ask the CFP board, there's a shortage of women financial planners. There aren't as many women um, coming to take the exam than men every year. Why do you think that is? And how are you trying to recruit women? What is the message that you think they need to hear in order to feel like I should do this? I can do this. I want to do this. Yeah, it's a great question. I, I think such a great opportunity for so many of us in this industry. And I, I would just like to say it's an opportunity for both men and women to have diverse financial planners to be able to represent the audience or the client base that they serve. And what I find in, in this industry, and as, as I was a financial planner working directly with individuals and families, is that people have a certain preference in, in who they trust and how they want to work with someone. Everyone can run spreadsheets, Farnoosh. Everyone can run analytical reports. But to be able to have a conversation, a trustworthy conversation about your current financial situation and where you want to get is an incredible privilege for all of us in the financial services industry and how it really facilitates trust with people. And and so what I've always thought, and I think so many in this industry want to be able to represent the client base they serve. So, you know, that means women, that means ethnic diversity, that means every possible uh flavor of diversity that we want. And so in particular for women, oftentimes this we're not exposed to financial literacy 
when when people are younger, they don't necessarily have the coursework in high school and college around financial literacy. And so we need to change that. We need to spend, and Charles Schwab does. We have a foundation. We have Carrie Schwab, who's Chuck Schwab's daughter, who leads our Money Wise programs here at Charles Schwab. And we just need to spend more time with all segments of the population, helping them understand financial literacy, and then help encourage them of what this career is like. And and financial planning and and really financial literacy is all about helping people, not just running spreadsheets. And we need to help people understand that. And and in general, Farnoosh, women tend to be attracted to that type of profession where you have autonomy, where you have the ability to really impact people's lives in such a positive way. And you can continue to grow in your career, as I have done in over 20 years in this industry. And it's a fantastic career for anyone, in particular women. And so I just encourage women to think about the CFP. Now, um, you mentioned the CFP board. And and in reality, the CFP board and the CFP designation have not been around that long. And so it's really continuing to help people understand what that means and how they get involved in helping people make better better financial decisions. And and at Charles Schwab, I am personally focused on this. We are recruiting more and more diverse individuals into this field to be able to help individuals have that financial peace of mind. Well, you mentioned financial planning as being really the first step of mastering your financial life. And I wanted to shift gears now to the Modern Wealth survey that Charles Schwab recently conducted, the Modern Wealth Index. What really surprising from this from this uh, survey is that 75% of Americans don't have a written financial plan. And when Charles Schwab asked them why, they say it's because they don't think they have enough money to need one or to access one. And that's really disappointing because for me, I started planning before I had the money, before I really had savings, because it's kind of what excited me to go out there and to make the money and and to build that financial life. Like if, without a plan, you're really directionless. And then what's risky is that you're then maybe pressured by other people's financial tendencies to spend money in a way that's not really meaningful to you. I think that happens a lot in your 20s, you know, peer pressure to like spend money on things that's, that aren't really significant to you, but you do it anyway. But if you don't, if you have a plan, it kind of gives you that, that compass. So uh, share a little bit more about the Modern Wealth Index. It's, you know, it's really like a health index, for example, Farnoosh. I mean, when we think about our own lives and our own health, we oftentimes think of ourselves as, you know, how's my cholesterol or how's my weight or, you know, how's my blood pressure, for example, or how's my glucose level? Those are are assessments we take in our lives at various stages in our lives, be it in our, you know, teens and our 20s, 30s, 40s, 50s, 60s. We we take certain assessments to say, how am I doing? And how is that going to contribute to the long term? In my life, and and so at Charles Schwab, we believe there's similar assessments that can be done for people in their financial health, for example, in their financial health and wellness. And so we do a survey where we really interview a thousand participants across the country to find out how well they feel about their own financial security or for their their own financial wealth. And like you said, Farnoosh, 
just having a plan is one of the very best things that people can do, no matter what age they are, to be able to achieve that optimal financial health. And oftentimes, we, we realize that people should have a plan, and when people write, write a plan, actually, and Farnoosh, I'm sure when you started this and, you know, your, your background and, and helping people make better financial decisions is very impressive. But I would guess when you started out, you started thinking and writing out on a piece of paper, you know, what are your goals? What are your family goals? And how do you want to achieve them? And how much do you have to save? And what is your emergency fund? And how much debt do you have? And then, you know, how much, um, risk have you covered, be it, you know, disability or be it life insurance or so on, and then cash flow and then investing for retirement, right? I mean, everybody knows at some point they're going to retire and they need to live off that income. And so these are some of the questions that we ask in this health index. It's it's really about checking your blood pressure at a certain point in your life and how are you doing towards that and what changes do you need to make? And unfortunately, as you know, um, most people believe that a financial plan is critical to them achieving financial health, but so many people don't have a written plan. And and it, it goes to show that for anyone that writes things down and actually sets those goals, they actually achieve them. And that's, that's what we found in this modern uh, wealth index is that when people have a plan, they actually do better. They have better peace of mind. They actually are more aware of their financial situation. They're doing a better job saving. They're much more aware of the cost of their investing and that those costs then translate to better value for them. And that really ultimately financial planning is the step to financial security. It doesn't matter what life stage you're in or what age you are. It is the very best first step you can take. And what people realize during this index is that financial planning is not just for millionaires. It's for every life stage and everyone should have a plan. And, you know, you and I talked about marathon running earlier. I would never try to run a marathon without a plan. It just simply... (laughs) Small steps too, right? right. You don't don't start your practice by running 20 miles. You start with a mile and maybe you walk it. I think the most important thing you should give yourself with any big goal like that, and I can we can make a parallel to your financial life, is to give yourself time. The earlier you start, the more likely you can pace yourself. You're not going to get injured. You know, you can allow for setbacks, uh, but ultimately there's time on your side, and you can get to that finish line. And I like what you said about how plans. Are, are, are for everyone. It's a, sort of democratizing the world of personal finance. You don't need any money to put pen to paper, but what you do need is, um, is, is ambition, right? And, and right. hope. And I think that's kind of exciting. That's my favorite part of financial planning is making the plan because I feel like at that point, uh, that your, the sky is your limit. And, and if you feel overwhelmed, I would say just really start small. Think about, well, what, I, what I want to do and then accomplish in the next year or in the next that's six right. months. And then once you, you know, f- figure that out, then build upon that and layer that. And I just want to let everybody know that I took the My Modern Wealth quiz or there's a there's actually a quick quiz online and I didn't score a hundred um, <laughs> I did get a pretty high score but there is even room for improvement and I, I know it you know there's uh, there's always room for improvement when it comes to your financial life but if you want to take the modern wealth index score quiz and figure out your 
personal score, go to schwab.com forward slash my modern wealth. That's schwab.com slash my modern wealth. You'll get your score as well as a few tips about what you can be doing to um, engage more with your money and your investments. So speaking on, speaking of planning, our first question is from Jamie. If we can now dive into these questions, I think it'll be really fun to uh, hear your perspectives, Terry. But Jamie says, I want to pay more attention to my financial life this year. It's probably why she's also listening to the podcast. How can I see the big picture and make meaningful moves this year? I also, uh, I guess she wants to um, work on her, I think it's her student loans. I can't tell from, uh, there's a little bit of, I think some words missing from the question, but it sounds like she also might have some student loans. But uh, sounds like she's just trying to figure out where to start. And I think that the fact that she's asking this question is a really good indicator that she's got her head in the right place. Yeah, absolutely. You know, I would just say to Jamie, you know, that this is fantastic that you want to pay more attention to your financial life. I mean, that's a good goal, a good commitment to make for the for the this first year. But as you said, Farnoosh, you want to you want to really make sure you just start with baby steps, like things that we can simply accomplish. And so, you know, the first thing that I would recommend for Jamie is is really start to discover what are the most important things you want to accomplish in this next year. And that might be in the next three months. It might be in the next six months and and the next year and breaking it out by quarterly. And oftentimes when people think about their lives, it's not just about money. It's it's really about, you know, thinking about how you want to live your life and how you want to have peace of mind. And in the survey overall, what we found is that 28% of our respondents actually felt like wealth, the meaning of wealth meant living a stress-free life and having peace of mind. And what I find, Jamie, is that when I have a better financial life and a better physical life, meaning I'm making good decisions around sleep, I'm making good decisions around saving, I'm making good decisions around spending, I actually live a less stressed life and have more peace of mind. And and, and certainly wealth plays a role in that. But when I say the word wealth, I don't mean millionaires. I mean managing my steps in my financial life. You know, and others may view it as being able to afford whatever you want at that time and, and having a path to do that or having a relationship with family and friends. And so, you know, our our financial decisions have an impact and our feelings about stress and about our families and about the relationships we have in life. And so for Jamie, you know, I, you know, everyone likes simple steps, right? And We've all heard of the seven habits of highly effective people. Well, we at, we at Charles Schwab have our seven habits of highly effective investing, and I, that's what I like to think of them as. And and these are our investing principles. And the first one is just you know figure out what your goals are. And depending on Jamie's life, it might be having an emergency fund, you know, matching your 401k up to the match, and it might mean additionally investing in an IRA, um, in an individual retirement account. But, but but knowing what those goals are, start saving early, as you said, make sure you leverage the time in your life, the time value of money, and then diversify based on your risk tolerance. And, you know, all that simply means is if you can, you know, the, the um, the variability in the market and really understanding things that go up 
go down and making sure that you can handle the risks associated with that. And then ultimately making sure what you're paying for these investments is important so you know where your money's going. Protect against losses that may happen. Rebalance on a regular basis. That means looking at your accounts and making sure they're aligning with your risk tolerance. And then just ignore the media and ignore the noise that happens throughout that time. And if you can just accomplish these seven things in your first year, you're really off to the right plan to achieve your financial peace of mind. Absolutely. And I would also add that, you know, Jamie asks about how do I see the big picture? Well, just see it. Like figure out what your big goal is, whatever it is. The work is the same, right? It's get out of debt, save, plan for your future, make sure you're also, uh, having the right insurances in place, health insurance, if you rent renter's insurance, disability insurance, create that financial framework. From there, any goal really is achievable as long as you first lay the foundation. I think that what you went through this checklist, Terry, is also really critical. But that's the good news is that any big picture goal is possible. It's just a matter of understanding what the basic groundwork involves. And I think that's that basic groundwork is for the most part applicable to everybody, regardless of what their what their big goal is. And this transitions us to this next question from an anonymous listener who it's also about the question's also about planning, but it's a very specific life stage. It's someone who just graduated from college, not making a lot of money and understands the importance of having a financial plan. But she says it's, or he says it's hard because I have loans and a small salary. I don't feel like I can really afford much at the moment, which echoes a lot of what I think we heard from the uh, Modern Wealth Index results, the survey results. Um, So where should this person start? And if I may, just for a second, offer some advice because I felt sort of like this in my 20s where, listen, I'm just trying to keep head above water. I'm just trying to pay my bills. And the idea of planning seemed like something that my parents did, but not me. But I think that one thing we can all do in our 20s that has nothing to do with money, but does really, is is think about what it is you want in your life. Like be really selfish about it. Because again, going back to what I said earlier, it's very easy to allow external influences into your life. The pressures from friends, the pressures from even just, you know, your parents and family, like what they expect you to do. And I feel like we graduate from college, we enter the real world without any toolkits and also without really the giving ourselves the time to think about what's important to me. What do I want in life? And to be unapologetic about it. And from there, you know, I say every goal carries a price tag. So whatever those goals are, reverse engineer it. And that becomes part of that. That informs your plan. You know, so if you know that you want to say, really go out there and start a business or really go out there and travel, quit your job and travel, because that's something that you've always wanted to do. You know that that's going to change your life then that requires money. So reverse engineering it. Where, where are you today? How can you get there? And what are the steps in between? So I just want to encourage young people especially to um, ignore the noise, as, as you say in, the, in one of Schwab's seven investing principles, but really like apply this to your life in the sense of ignore the 
kind of pressures of society and family and friends to to kind of mold your life in a certain way. Do what is important to you, but also be logical about it, right? Like what's it going to cost and go after it. But Terry, yeah. I know you have some more technical advice as well. So I want to <laughs> I want to pass the baton to you at this point. Well, I think your advice is really great for young people. And in this question in particular, you know, someone that has loans and a small salary, this is when you really start to formulate your very best, I think, spending habits, right? I mean, when you're young and you can make really good decisions around spending and around paying back loans, and obviously, you know, the the, the secret to paying back loans is pay back the ones you're paying the highest rate on, the highest interest rate and that rates are moving up right now, you want to make sure you know what rate you're paying and pay the ones first that you have the highest interest rate charge on. I mean, and and that seems very simple, um, but not very well understood for so many young people graduating from college. And that's step number one. Um, The second thing is, Farnoosh, and, you know, we can never say this enough. Um, You know, my own son, I have a son, my oldest, is 21 years old. He's a junior in college. He'll be graduating in a year. And we have this conversation all the time. And the conversation goes like this. Well, when you graduate from college, you're going to be making X amount of money. And we we put a range on that. And where do you want to live? And, you know, how much do you want to spend on your housing costs, right? And and making sure you minimize that as much as you can. And then how much do you want to spend on transportation? And how much do you want to spend to be able to pay any loans back? And how much do you want to spend on entertainment? And how much do you want to invest for the long run? Because when people are in their, you know, younger 20s, that's the best time to start investing for the next 20, 30, 40 years. And those are really important questions that we have to ask as college graduates. And um, most important is, is that you write these down as a part of your financial plan and that you start working towards that like a roadmap and know where you are, know where you want to go, and how to make the best decisions in order to get there. Um, I can give you a personal story, Farnish, um, when when I graduated from college, you know, I, I was um, dating my, my husband at the time. And, you know, now we're married for 25 years. But at that time, you know, he had school loan debt. I didn't, I, luckily, I didn't have any school loan debt. But um, he also had credit card debt. And so we worked on a plan to pay down credit card debt. And then guess what? We cut up those credit cards. We just, we had one credit card. That was it when we got married. Still today, we have one credit card between the two of us. And so it's really important that you don't let credit card debt um, rise and you don't let that get out of control because that can be devastating for a young person to have to pay down that much debt. And at the same time, create an emergency fund and then maximize your retirement savings for the long term. And um, it's so important for young people, even in their 20s, right, when they can't even consider retiring to understand that the actions that they take in their early 20s have a significant impact when they may be ready to retire at the age of 60 or 65. And so keeping that 20, 30-year plan on the horizon and how they get there is so important. And what's really interesting to me, uh, Farnoosh, is that 
millennials today are more willing to start a financial plan and to seek guidance from a financial professional, such as a certified financial planner, a CFP, and to really start having those conversations face-to-face about their financial situation, writing down a plan, and then working with a financial professional professional, just like they would with an athletic coach, for example, or a trainer that they might have at a gym. They can think of a CFP as that same type of person in their life to make better financial decisions for the long-term health of their financial situation. Um, I uh, wanted to share a story quickly about a woman I recently met at the Apple store. She was my mm-hmm. uh, genius bar atten- uh, helper. Um, my watch, my iWatch broke. And so she was helping me with that. And when she pulled up my name, because I made an appointment, she recognized my name from this podcast. She said, I'm so excited to meet you. I listen to your podcast every day. Turns out she's so money. She's 26 years old. And she's been working at Apple for seven years and she has a 401k. She told me she has about 40 some thousand dollars saved in her 401k. She has another um, $16,000, $17,000 in her rainy day account. She's actually now going to college. But the good news is that even though she delayed it, Apple is paying for her college tuition. And her big goal, she said, she's got a plan, is to buy a house in the next five to 10 years. And so she knows that she kind of looks at the house like dessert, you know, and in the meantime, she's got to eat her, she has to eat her vegetables. So she's like, okay, I know that I have to first like get myself squared away and then I can become a happy, healthy homeowner. But first I need that retirement account filled, right? I need to save rainy day. And she's looking at getting some renter's insurance and things like that so that she can kind of put the oxygen mask on herself before she goes out and tries to take on this bigger task. And, uh, you know, she also, to your point, was talking about financial planners and looking into working with one and all of her friends are working with financial planners. And I was pretty surprised, to be honest. I didn't think at age 25, 26 that was talking of mind. But to your point, it's increasingly becoming one of those things that sort of like, you need a dentist, you need a financial planner, perhaps. Um, Yeah, absolutely. I agree. And, you know, it it really, you know, the the person that you're talking about that worked at Apple, it's about making those short-term sacrifices for the long-term gain. And, And just you know, being able to save an extra $5 a day can make a tremendous impact 10, 20 years from now in terms of your overall financial health and financial well-being. And and to try to get young people to really understand that is so critical. Well, I'd love to help now a married couple. We have this question from uh, someone who doesn't want to reveal her name, but she says to me, Farnoosh, I married my Prince Charming 18 years ago, still happily married, three kids. But along the way, I left all the financial questions, investments, expenses, et cetera, up to my husband. He was the one financially taking care of us, and I was totally on board. But fast forward to today, I'm starting my new business, I'm helping families unplug from digital devices to have dinner together. Uh, That's her business. And I realized it was a mistake to unplug from my finances. So how do I plug back in? How do I become financially savvy? This is interesting. I feel like my parents had a similar road where um, my mom kind of deferred a lot of the financial decision-making to my father growing up, even though she made an income, but he managed the bills, the investments. And 
I don't think that he was necessarily trying to shield her from it, but because she didn't express interest, it just became the status quo. She didn't ask. He didn't offer answers. Fast forward then 20 years, she's scared, actually, because she doesn't know half the stuff she should know, right? She doesn't know where to pay the bills. If something happened to my dad, she was saying, okay, well, what what then? Like, I, I don't even know where to write the monthly mortgage check at this point or what it even is. So I think the first step is just to like face it, right? Have that conversation yeah. with your spouse. That has to happen at some point. Make that the first step and say, I want to plug back in. Now let's have a meeting. Let's have regular meetings so that I can catch up to learn all the basics and then some. What 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 is in our accounts? How are we investing? What's our plan? Um, how do I pay the bills? Simple things, but also the long-term stuff too. And then I think inheriting some of the responsibilities of the bill payment, of the money management could be healthy for her, at least for a little while. And frankly, I think in all relationships, there's going to be the one spouse that rises to the occasion that just is more interested or has more capacity to be the financial decision maker, primary. But it doesn't mean the other spouse should keep his or her head in the sand. And in fact, I think swapping the roles occasionally is really helpful and healthy because God forbid there's a point in the relationship where the other spouse who hasn't been the primary financial decision maker has to step in because the other spouse is in the hospital or can no longer do it or doesn't want to because they're just tired of it. That's always helpful to have that context and that experience because you can jump in seamlessly. But uh, this story probably hit home for you a little bit, not because you have the same uh, financial dynamic, but because you have been married for a long time, you have the three kids. And this can happen very easily, right? Especially for women to not be the ones that are really involved in the like long-term planning. Yeah, you know, absolutely. What I would tell this anonymous um, person with questions, um, first of all, congratulations on marrying Prince Charming. That's, that's a, that's interesting. Um, Everybody wants to marry their Prince Charming, but over, over time, it's really important that we approach this as a team. And um, depending on what your personal situation is, is that, you know, we do it, you know, we do teamwork when it comes to raising children. And in this case, this person has three children. And and so being a team and raising children, being a team on making investment decisions and, you know, being a team and managing a household is, is so important for married couples today. It's not uncommon that that women, you know, kind of step aside when it comes to investing in financial decisions. But I would encourage all of your listeners, both men and women, that both need to be really aware of financial information, where it is, how much you have, what you're saving for, what type of insurance you have, what is your emergency funds, what is, what are the, the monthly, daily expenses? I mean, to be really aware of what's happening because what we find in this industry, um, even at Charles Schwab, is that when we have a situation like this and only one spouse is aware of it and something happens to that spouse, it can be devastating for a family to try to put all the pieces back together again and to understand where the money is and how we make decisions. So it all starts at first with the conversation with your spouse, be it, you know, man or women, sit down and have a, a goal planning session on your finances. And for me personally, Farnoosh, 
every year I sit down with my husband and we talk about our goals around financials. What what are our financials? What do we want to do with financials? And then we talk about our family goals. I mean, where do we want to go for vacation? How do we want to have dinner at home? I mean, I, I find this, this particular writer's profession really interesting around unplugging digital devices to have dinner. Well, that would be a family goal that families would want to have. And how do you go about doing that? How do you get make sure you get home on time? And what type of meals do you want to prepare so that you can have that time together? And then what type of fitness goals that you have? I call them the three Fs, financial, family, and fitness. And so start having those conversations. And then um, you know, I would also recommend to work with a professional advisor. Professional advisors know what types of questions to ask. They know the most efficient path to get there. And for most families in this scenario, you know, time is our greatest currency. And so th- that would be the first step that I would I would think about. But, you know, there are differences in how men and women make decisions on investing. And when women – and women are the primary – financial decision makers in families today. And they do spend a lot more time researching, making major family purchases. And they will do the research so that they make the right decision around pricing and around investing plans. And women also are better at sticking to their plan overall. And as you know, uh, the market goes up, the market goes down, we have a lot of volatility. But um, we tend to find that women actually can manage through some of the volatility even more effectively than men because they've researched it, they've done their appropriate risk tolerance, and they stick to it. And, And the most important thing for families today or individuals is time in the market and not overreacting when there's some volatile event, such as the tariffs that are happening right now um, affecting the markets today. And so uh, women tend to stay in the market longer, which tends to lead to better investing results over the long run. I love that statistic. I think that's so so important what you just said to share that as much as possible, that there is this uh, tendency to believe that women are not as um, they're just not, they're not good investors as, as good as men. They're, um, you know, this idea of being risk aware or risk, um, sensitive sometimes as women, like that's considered a negative, but actually it's a good thing or, or precautionary for a good reason. And I think I, um, I always like to remind people about those, those studies that show that over the long run, women tend to outperform men, um, because of the fact that they are, they have a stick to itness, and you know they're they're cautionary. I think to a benefit, um, mm-hmm. but uh, I think that what you also said about having a financial planner—it's not for everybody, but particularly I think in their situation, it could be helpful to have a mediator, somebody who could play the objective voice and um, keep the two of them accountable. I think it's going to be an added layer of of of. Uh, of interestingness as she's developing this business too, because how do you then also uh, silo money into that business to help that grow without without damaging the plans that you have for the family? Um, because as you're, as everyone knows, when you start a business from the ground up, a lot of it is putting your own personal capital into it. So how do you do that without compromising the other money in, that's going around and not creating any resentment as a result too, right? Yeah, um, that's right so emotional sometimes, the decisions that we make. It's not even about the dollars and cents. It's about how it's perceived and the emotions. 
this is where we, I think we're going to, this is a good place to, to say thank you to you, Terry. We had, we had a couple more questions, but I feel like maybe for another time we've, we've dot, we've, uh, dived really deep into these questions and I really appreciate your, your honest feedback for all of our listeners and, um, also for sharing so much about your journey and inspiring us and, yeah, I would look forward to a day where we have more female financial planners and more women uh, making the the you know the big decisions that uh, pertain to their financial lives and their families' financial lives. Terry, thank you so much, and we hope to have you back. You're welcome, Farnoosh, and I would just really extend my appreciation for all of your listeners, and that you know they feel that they have a foundation for their financial lives and they feel like they have someone to talk to. And I'm grateful that you have this podcast to be able to help people make better financial decisions because the better financial decisions you make, the more peace of mind that you have. So thank you very much. And I wish all of your listeners good luck. And hope your weekend is so money. Money.